Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes, the eighth chapter, and we're going to start at verse number two, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter eight, verse number two, and we'll read through verse number four. Uh, Ecclesiastes eight and two reads, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment. Somebody say that. Say the king's commandment. That in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him, the king. And then verse number four says this, often a quoted uh, scripture from your Bible. This is where you can find it. It says, where the word of a king is, there is power. Somebody say power. And who may say unto him, what doest thou? Amen. What doest thou? And so if you'd put your Bible down and help me pray, I want to ask that God's blessing would be on this service in our time together as we look into his word. Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to be in your house and to hear your word once again. I ask that it would bless us in this place like it has so many times before, that it would move on us, it would convict, that it would divide asunder, and that it would bring life to somebody in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. And why don't we give another hand clap to the Lord and just thank him. If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord, amen. You can be seated at this time. Amen. Amen. I want to preach to us on this thought today for just a little while, and it is, what doest thou? What doest thou? You see, many times in the Christian life, there are things that happen to us that we may not understand. There are things that happen to us that we may not feel like we're ready for, but life begins to unfold. The Bible tells us that the rain falls on the just and it falls on the unjust. Sometimes in life, things just don't go the way that we hope them to. It's not always sunny skies for the just, and it's also not always sunny skies for the unjust. Amen. If you have lived for God for any length of time, you know this, and I've come to just affirm this in your spirit today, and it's that life is not always perfect. Life does not always unfold as we hope it to. And there are many examples that I want to draw from uh, for this thought today in the Word of God. And one of them is the life of Joseph. You see, the life of Joseph was the epitome of what you would call a roller coaster of emotions. You see, Joseph seemed at the beginning to be favored and blessed of God. And it seemed that his life was going to take off in just a beautiful trajectory and it was just going to take off in just a, a perfectly straight line. But 
we learn that he is faced also, even though he's received a dream from God, he is, he is placed also into bad situations. He's placed into challenging situations. And his faith is tested before he receives the promise. And that's what it's like for you and I as well. I can relate to a Joseph that sometimes life seems that it should just go in a perfectly straight line up because I'm doing all the right things. I have a promise of God. I'm just going to get that promise. Amen. And yes, we will receive every promise that he has decreed because that's the kind of God we serve. He is a faithful God. He's a faithful God. And that's a reason to be thankful today, that he's faithful in his promises. Amen. They will come to pass, even if it takes some, some hardship to get there. The scripture tells us in Genesis chapter number 37, it says, And it came to pass that when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. You see, the father gave him this very special coat. But then that coat was taken away. Somebody say, it doesn't make any sense. It sometimes doesn't make any sense. All right? His coat of many colors, that was on him. I find it interesting that the scripture describes that coat. It wasn't just any coat, but it was that coat that was put on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it it wasn't just a pit it was an empty pit and it was a pit without water it was a bad day somebody said amen then there passed by Midianite merchantmen and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit all right praise God he's getting out of the pit amen that's a good thing he can have some water now, but it, it takes another turn. Roller coaster in life. And sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Joseph needed to go to Egypt, but he didn't know how he was going to get there. He didn't know how all of his family would one day bow to him. But it needed to happen. He needed to go to Egypt. We can look at the Bible from the back to the front. But he could not look at his life from the back to the front. Amen? He lived every day, day by day, just like you and I. And yet, in every situation we found Joseph, we found him to be faithful. We found him to be seeking for the best. We found him to stand up for righteousness. And I've come to tell you today that we can do the same. In every hardship, in every trouble, in every trial and tribulation, you ought to stand on your two feet on the word of God and be obedient to God. Because being obedient to God will bring forth the promises of God. His promises can unfold if we will stay faithful. Can you say amen? 
he went into a pit. And just when he thought it couldn't get any worse, he was sold as a slave. Then he became the second in command in Potiphar's house. Okay, now it's unfolding. But you know the story. He was lied on from Potiphar's wife. And he ended up back in jail, in the prison in Egypt. Amen. He started to see a glimmer of hope. But that was quickly closed. Has anybody lived life like that? Just when things were getting good, it just all of a sudden got way worse. I, do, do I have any real people in the house of the Lord today who said, you know what, 2022 was looking pretty good. But all of a sudden it took a turn. And it got worse. I don't know why life is like that sometimes. But God was leading a Joseph somewhere. You see, he was even forgotten about in the jail after he was uh, gifting uh, and was gifted with the interpretation of dreams to help others. He was forgotten about in jail. But there came a day he ended up back in the palace again. Amen. Good, bad, good, bad. It's all plots here all over the place. It's not a straight line. I hope you see my invisible graph that I'm drawing for you today. It wasn't perfect, but it is what God intended for him. Amen? There was a day that he ended up in the palace, and he ended up having the wisdom of God to save all of the land. He saved them from a horrid famine that would hit the land. You remember the story. And he had them store food in the storehouses. And they had enough food for everybody, even people outside of Egypt. Even his own family heard. They have some food down there in Egypt. And there came a day, just like the dream was prophesied to him, that his very family, they bowed before him as they were needing what Joseph could give them. Praise God. Hallelujah. I am not saying that any of us are, are as good as Joseph. Amen. Because he set a high bar of being pure. He set a high bar of being gifted. But you can be gifted and you can be used of God. How God intends for your life if you will stay faithful to him. If you'll just be obedient to him. It's a simple message on a Sunday morning. If you'll just serve God, it's all going to unfold as he wants it to. It's all going to work out in your favor, and it's all going to work out for the favor of others that are around you. And the dream of God is not to exalt you, but it's to save others. Hallelujah. Genesis 50 and 20, Joseph spoke these words. He said, but as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. What if the trial you're facing is to save somebody else? What if the trial you're walking through is to save much people Hallelujah. Sometimes we're selfish. 
if we would be honest about it. And we say, what I'm going through, God, this, this don't make any sense. What if it's not about you? What if it's bigger than you? Hallelujah. I don't have the scripture in front of me, but it just came to my mind. You see, in Ephesians, I believe chapter 2, Paul said that we were created unto good works to God. There's a purpose for you to do a work for him. He's expecting some fruit in return of you being connected to the vine. He's expecting to do something through you, through every person under the sound of my voice. You have a place in the kingdom of God. There's good works that God wants to do through you and in you, and you've got to stay on board. You've got to stay a part of this. Hallelujah, because when God gives a dream, there's nothing that can stop it. But I come with this question here today that the scripture had in Ecclesiastes 8 and 4, when it says, no one man can say, what doest thou? You see, the, the word of the king, it has all power. And especially in this day, when the king spoke something, it happened. It happened just as he said. And what the scripture is telling us in Ecclesiastes 8 and 4 is it says, Who can stand up to the king and say, What are you doing, king? What are you doing? Nobody can say that to the king. Because that king has all power. He has all authority. Nobody can question him. And so I've come to ask us that question. In this kingdom... Are we asking our king, what are you doing? Are we asking him in the middle of our process, Lord, you don't know what you're doing. This kingdom has a king. And he has authority. And although sometimes it doesn't make sense, who are we to question what he does? He does as he pleases. And let me tell you, this is not a wicked king we serve, but this is a loving king that we serve who loves his kingdom and he loves his children because we're not servants only in the kingdom of God. But Galatians says that we are the children of God. He has the best in mind for you. He has a future in mind for you because you're his child but he's still our king. Who are we to question it? In Luke chapter 8, we find an interesting story, and it's that uh, Jesus, he's, he's, do, he's doing his miracles as he goes, and the Bible says that there was a man that came to him. Uh, it, it says this in verse 41 of chapter 8, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He was a good person. He was a ruler in the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house. Why? For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. There were crowds of people that would follow Jesus. Amen. You already know where I'm going with this, you that know the Scripture. For the Bible tells us in verse 43 that... And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years 
which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him. Jesus is, is, is going, and he has a mission in mind, and he's going to heal this girl, this 12-year-old girl. But coming in from the behind of him comes a woman also 12 years, but 12 years of her infirmity, and touches the hem of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood was stanched. She touched him first. And it's one of those deals, you know, you ever, when you're a kid, you ever race and say, you know, whoever touches the, the, uh, the door last is a sore loser. You know, that's kind of what it was here. This woman with the issue of blood, she said, oh, I got him first. I touched him first. Because she touched him first with faith. Jesus allowed her to be healed right away. And it caused a scene. The Bible tells us, I'm just going to skip a, a, through this a little bit. In verse 46, the scripture says that Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. He stopped the crowd. And he made a whole scene out of this. Now, Jarius is still waiting. Because his 12-year-old is dying in bed. And verse 48, Jesus told her this. He said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. I find it interesting that verse 48, he calls the woman with the issue of blood his daughter. Our God's a personal God. Hear me today. Our God is a personal God. It wasn't just some random woman. He knew her before time even began. He knew the pain that she suffered. And he said, you're my daughter. And because you're my daughter, you've been made whole. You should take comfort. You should be confident in this, that I have healed you. I have done what no one else can do. Because that's the loving Savior we serve. He's a Savior who loves us. She's a daughter of God. You're a daughter of God. Even on your worst days. Even in your infirmity. Even in your sickness. You're a daughter of God. That's a reason to shout. Ladies in the house. That's a reason to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But. In verse 49, just two verses apart from each other, he calls the one behind him daughter. But in verse 49, he says, While he yet spake, there cometh one ruler from the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. You get good news to one daughter, and you got bad news to Jairus' daughter. But you know what the beautiful thing is? God is just showing off sometimes. <laughs> he just wants to show off and say, nah, she's not the only daughter in this situation. She's not the only daughter in this crowd. Hallelujah, who's in need? But I can even touch the daughter of Jairus just as well as I could touch that, this daughter. 
Hallelujah. Because they're all my children. They're all my creation. They're all the people that I love. If you've come with a need in the house today, our God wants to meet that need. For the scripture says in verse number 50, but when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. You see, God healed her also, but he allowed it that she would pass away because of the interruption that happened in the crowd. You see, sometimes it doesn't look good. Sometimes it doesn't even make any sense, but God is still working. God is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's in control. Hallelujah. What doest thou? What doest thou, Lord? What are you doing, Lord? I can do this way better than you. That's sometimes what we say. What pride do we have to question the king? You can ask Abraham. You see, Abraham fought to get Isaac, and he had been promised to be the father of many nations. And after all of this effort and time, he ends up with Isaac, his one child. He's supposed to have children as abundant as the sand on the beaches and the stars in the sky, but he's got one baby. And God speaks to him and says, Hey, Take up your son and take him up to be an offering to me. Wow. Genesis 22 and 2 is where it says it. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. He is told you're going to be a father of many nations. But then he is also told to take your child and go to the mountain for a sacrifice. Wow, what a confusing situation that he's in. But it all worked out. Because when he began to build that altar and he began to lay him on that altar, the Bible tells us that the Lord spoke to him as he was even ready to make the sacrifice. The Lord spoke to him and said, Stop! There's a ram that's caught in the thicket over here that I have given. And the Bible tells us that Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. You see, Jehovah Jireh means Jehovah our provider. Amen. The Lord provides. God provides. And I come to tell you that even Abraham's testimony was that God is a provider, and even today, where the Lord is, it shall be seen, and the Lord is still our provider. He still provides. He still meets needs. He still allows for there to be a sacrifice made that he provides. Hebrews says this about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and that he had received the promises offered up of his only 
begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called accounting that God was able to raise him up you see Abraham believed God for anything it's not a stretch from a preacher to say that Abraham believed that God could raise his son from the dead because the scripture itself Paul declared that that is the kind of faith Abraham had. Abraham believed that he could be raised, his only begotten son could be raised from the dead. That's the kind of faith he had, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. If you study the old English that that was converted from as he wrote the book of Hebrews, that what he's essentially saying is in a way, Isaac was dead. In a way, he was already dead from being laid on that altar because it was so close. But even then, even with his son already dead, he believed God for good things. He believed God could provide good things. Hallelujah. What God has in mind to do, it shall be seen. I've come to tell you today, it's going to happen. It shall be seen. Where the Lord is, he can work. Where the Lord is, he can provide. And the Lord is in this place on a Sunday morning, and it shall be seen. It shall happen. What's dead can come alive. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And that God answered. You see, if God asks us to do something, he will always give us the provision for it to be fulfilled. He will always make a way where there seems to be no way. God gave Joseph that dream. God spoke to Abraham of what he must do. God spoke to believe only to Jarius. And I've come to tell you today that God can and God will. He will save souls. We will reach this city. I've just come to prophesy in Jesus' name. You will see your loved ones saved in these altars. That isn't the last time that they will walk into this church building. Come on, would somebody prophesy and agree with me in this house? It shall be seen. We'll see it done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, my son, my husband shall be saved. Hallelujah, who are we to ask God, what doest thou? What are you doing, God? It doesn't make any sense. He's working. He's working it out for your good. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 4, the Bible says this, that being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded what he had promised he was also he was able also to perform 
Hallelujah. I come to claim a, a Romans 4 and 21 blessing over this church today. And it's that I am persuaded that what he has promised, he is also able to perform. Hallelujah. The promises of God are yea and amen. We can take it to the bank that our God is going to come through. We can take it to the bank that souls will be saved. We can take it to the bank that drug addiction will be broken in the name of Jesus. Cancer will be healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Our God does impossible things. Our God does miraculous things. Hallelujah. Come on, I believe that your prophecy is making it happen right now in the name of Jesus. I'm persuaded that it will come to pass. I'm persuaded that he's able to perform. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm hearing a church cry out that's persuaded today. Hallelujah, I'm hearing a church cry out to God that's convinced. Hallelujah, that his promises are yea and amen. Hallelujah, that if he spoke it, it's going to happen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, I might not understand the whole picture. I might not understand the whole story. I might not know why I'm in this chapter. God sees the beginning from the end and the end. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I want to I want to leave you. I feel to leave you with one more scripture here, and then we're going to allow this God's spirit to move in this place. The scripture tells us in Ephesians 1 and 18, Paul said this. In Ephesians 1 and 18, he said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He's, he's praying this over the Ephesian church. He's saying, I'm praying that your eyes of your understanding be, will be enlightened, that ye may know what hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He's, he's praying over them and he's praying, God, open the Ephesian church's eyes to see that we have a hope in him, to see there is going to be a greater day. 
that there is going to be a beautiful end to this story. Hallelujah. I come to tell you that we have yet to see our greatest days. I've come to tell you that our greatest days aren't behind us, but there is a hope ahead of us. That there is a revival ahead of us. That there are blessings ahead of us. You might have had a bad week. After making that Sunday of sacrifice offering, you might have got bad news for your finances. But I come to tell you, God has a purpose. God wants to reveal He reveal His purpose to you. But it'll come in time. We've just got to see the hope that He has for us. Hallelujah. I come to preach hope on a Sunday morning. There's hope for your healing. There's hope for your blessing. Hallelujah. We can't question this King of Kings. Oh, who are we to question the Lord of Lords? Hallelujah. He's got greater things for us. Our King has a future for us. Hallelujah. I want to open these altars. Come quickly. Come quickly to these altars. Let's find a place to pray and proclaim the word of God. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody needs to come to this altar and you need to prophesy it over yourself. Hallelujah. God, you're going to bless. God, you're going to keep us. Hallelujah. God, you're going to save. You're going to reach, oh God. This trial is not my end. This trial is not my end. But there's more for me in the name of Jesus. There's something greater for us. Don't question God. Don't question our King. Come on, He knows what He's doing. He knows what He's Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.